Hi friends, how are you today? Hope you had a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Hope you didn't disappoint your family too much this year, as we always do, don't we, huh? Mm. Okay, other than that though, it's Monday, which means it's murder, mystery, and makeup Monday. If you are new here, hi. My name is Bailey Sarian, and I sit down and I talk about a true crime story that's been heavy on my noggin and I do my makeup at the same time. So if you're interested in true crime and you like makeup, I would say, hey, subscribe. And if not, like that's okay too, it's not a big deal. But I came across this story and it's almost like she's Ed Gein and Catherine Knight mixed together. Yeah, she is unbelievable. Unbelievable, this woman. I was like, this cannot be real. This has to be like a fan fiction of darkness or something, but it's not, it's real. Okay, so we're gonna talk about Campbell today. So just a little warning, um, lots of gruesome details. So just a heads up, um, gruesome. Okay, great. I hope you're ready for a feast for the eyes and ears because this week we've got a bounty of bloodshed, a buffet of body parts, and at the center of it all, a woman landing in this big, beautiful country for the first time who's about to come face to face with death. I know, quite the intro. We're gonna jump around a little bit today, so um, I'm just gonna try my best here, okay? I'm gonna try and keep it simple. So we're gonna start with 56-year-old Bill Nelson, okay? So the year is 1991, and Bill was absolutely ecstatic to be celebrating the holiday with his new wife he just married earlier in the year. And um, he was calling his daughter Margaret on the phone to share his excitement about his new wife and invite her over for dinner. You know, you should come over and meet the wife, yay. Bill was said to be like a larger than life type of guy. Parts of his family were from Texas and he had that very Texan style about himself, like a grand personality, just very showy, showy. He drove a red Corvette. He wore big fancy red cowboy boots like everywhere he went. And his friends talked about how when you were around him, he just like filled up the room, good energy. You liked being around the guy, Bill. Anyway, Bill's talking to his daughter and he's telling her all about the Thanksgiving feast he's about to put on at home with his new wife. His new wife, who again, he had just married earlier that year. His new wife, who was barely in her early 20s. Yeah. Bill may have been um, excited about that, but Margaret, his daughter, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't too thrilled. Like, what does this girl really want? So a lot of the family members didn't really know how to act. They wanted to be excited for him, but at the same time, it's like, what are you doing with this younger girl, you know? Margaret, his daughter, she wasn't sure how to react to her father's new marriage. She wants to be happy, but she's very young. So when Bill got married, he did it just very quick and like didn't tell anyone either. So it was like the family wanted to support, but it was like, why did you get married to her so quickly? And how come we weren't invited? Or how come you didn't tell us? It just created some tension, you know? Well, you're probably wondering, who did Bill get married to? Well, it was like this absolutely drop-dead gorgeous woman. Her name was Omaima. I think it's Omaima. Look, I'm getting sick that I can't pronounce anything ever. I get it. I get it. I try. I don't know where it goes wrong, okay? It's a me issue, but I think her name is Omaima. <sighs> Anyways, but she's absolutely stunning, okay? We're talking cheekbones lifted, okay? Big, beautiful eyes. We're talking body on body on body on body. She looked like a freaking supermodel. She was an immigrant from Egypt and she was only at the ripe age of 23, okay? And she was less than half of Bill's age. Age doesn't matter, we know, we know. You could still connect with someone older, but... Mm-hmm. 
That's not always the case. Sometimes there's something else going on. I guess um, Bill had asked her to marry him like freaking weeks after meeting her. So Margaret, Bill's daughter, she wasn't obviously excited on meeting her new stepmom, okay? Especially over the holiday weekend. So he invites her over, his daughter. Hey, you wanna come over for Thanksgiving? Yay. She's like, no, I can't. And that's it, the conversation ends. And unfortunately, that was the last time Margaret or anyone for that matter would hear from Bill Nelson, sadly. We've all been there, staring at your closet and saying to yourself, I have nothing to wear. I mean, you do have things to wear, but your clothes just aren't speaking to you. Now you can have Stitch Fix refresh your wardrobe just in time for the fall, baby. They're putting the joy back into getting dressed for the new season. Stitch Fix is the best way to discover new styles and brands just for you. Think of Stitch Fix as your style partner. Your stylist will learn about your taste and collaborate with you on looks you'll absolutely love. I would consider my style casual yet put together. So I made sure to call that out when I filled out my quiz. You just answer a few questions about where you typically like to shop what you like to wear, and your price range. With your choices in mind and a wide range of sizes available, from extra small to 3XL, they'll find your perfect fit. Stitch Fix carries over 1,000 brands and styles, so you'll definitely find pieces that you will love. What I love the most is that you can actually try on your pieces at home before you buy. Just keep what you love and send back the rest. I pretty much like kept all of the pieces I received. My favorite one was a really cute sanctuary jacket that is so perfect for the fall season. Plus, shipping returns and exchanges are always free. There's no subscription required. Simply order a refresh as needed or set it and forget it with regular seasonal fixes. You're in control. Right now, Stitch Fix is offering my listeners $20 off their first fix at stitchfix.com makeup. That's stitchfix.com slash makeup for $20 off today. Stitchfix.com slash makeup. So days later on December 1st, police obtained a warrant to search Bill's apartment after they found his wife driving his car with a bag stuffed full of what looked like human flesh, to put it kindly. When they got inside the house, they found Bill. Oh, oh, they found him all right. Okay, they found him. The only trouble was that they found him everywhere in hundreds of pieces throughout the house. Gets a little gruesome here, so just a little FYI, okay? Bill was stuffed away in suitcases, buried in piles of cardboard boxes. Police found human flesh and organs wrapped up in bags. Um, on the ground nearby, a broken table lamp was tossed aside next to a heavy clothing iron with traces of blood and, and human hair on it. As police made their way through the apartment, the scene only got more and more gruesome. Bill's bedroom was demolished. I mean, like, it looked like a war zone, according to them, and not in a fun newlywed kind of way. It was a disaster. The bedposts had been ripped off and splintered. There was definitely signs of a struggle, and the mattress was completely soaked through in blood. <sighs> I mean, again, they're newlyweds, maybe they're getting a little freaky, but this was not that. Okay, so police, of course, they keep walking around the house, right? And they get to the bathroom and they see hanging up in the bathroom, just kind of swinging over the bathtub, was Bill's chest and torso with the arms and like legs removed from it, just hanging there. Mm -hmm. Police found that it had been skinned, 
carved and was left bleeding into the tub, like the same way you would do in a butcher shop, I guess. I don't know, I've never, but you know, I'm not laughing at, I'm just laughing because like, I'm assuming based off movies I've seen of like butchers, they hang the meat and stuff. Anyway, so it's like that. Yeah, great. And when the butchers are trying to dry out the dead animal, they have to let like all the blood run out. It was that, but a human body. So when police got a closer look, they take it down and stuff and they see that the body had been castrated, you know, like um, the lower area. It had been snipped off, gone. Goodbye, removed, sayonara, see you later, disappeared, vanished, all of the above. But then it gets freaking worse, okay? It gets worse. Could not imagine being there because the police, they go into the kitchen. The last time anyone had heard from Bill was when he was talking to his daughter, remember? And he was like, you should come over for Thanksgiving dinner. And he bragged about the Thanksgiving feast they were having. I don't know, okay, so police made their way into the kitchen. They found pots and pans that had been left out on the top of the stove and inside these pots and pans was like a stew, right? There's vegetables, turkey meat, and then they see what seemed to be Bill Nelson's hands in the stew. Yeah, it was in the stew. Then in the trash bin, they find bits of his hips mixed together with like cranberry sauce. And I guess the real winner of them all was like what was inside of the freezer. In the back of Bill's freezer, all wrapped up in tin foil, was Bill Nelson's head. Yeah, she wrapped it up in tin foil and put it in the freezer for, well, I don't know. His skin looked like it had been deep fried and burned pretty badly. He was melted, it warped, and charred down the edges of his face, but they knew it, it was him. That's a sick person. That's a very sick person. What the hell happened to Bill? Okay, so let's backtrack a little bit. Cause to find out what happened, we need to talk about his wife, Omaima Nelson. Okay, so who is she? Well, she was born in Egypt in 1968. She was like, I guess born along the Southern border of Sudan. Uh, her parents lived with her in like their small home in a farming village. And it was said, unfortunately, her father was heavily abusive. I guess he had a very bad temper that often made him abuse Omaima and her mother physically and sexually. And when she was seven years old, Omaima was given a female circumcision, which made sex or any kind of sexual activity in general, it made it really freaking painful, extremely painful. A lot of abuse was going on in the household. Eventually her mother was able to get a divorce, but there wasn't much money for the two of them to really live off of after that. So they had to move to an area that wasn't the best in Cairo, which was much further north in the village that Omaima had grown up in. So they had to travel like a great distance cross country as two women in the 1960s. And they end up in an area that was called the City of Dead. And it's got its name from the cemeteries that surrounded it. So as you could probably imagine, a not super positive place. Omaima and her mother lived here until she was like in her late teenage years. And by the time she turns 18, Omaima had grown into an exceptional, beautiful woman. Again, cheekbones. Such a, she was like, ooh, 
lifted. She was quite popular because of her good looks and one day she attracts the attention of an oil worker and not just like any oil worker, he was an American out there working on contract and he had taken a liking to Omaima right away, of course, right? And the relationship quickly turned sexual. Now this must have freaked out her mother because she felt like no man in Egypt was going to accept Omaima as a wife after she had engaged in sexual relations, said she had been deflowered by an American, no less. So her mother thought it would be best if she committed to this relationship with this American man and make him like her partner, husband. So this American man, no idea what his name was, but whoever he was, he again had a contract in Egypt and it ended in 1986. And not long after, Omaima, she decides to leave with him. She leaves the country and she's gonna go stay with him in the United States. So she says goodbye to her home country, her mother, her childhood, and she agrees to marry this man. And they move to the state of Texas, which I'm sure is like a big culture shock. At least I, I would imagine, I've never been to Texas, but I would imagine that it's like, it would probably be a lot. I don't know, maybe not. Anyways, she moves to Texas, great. So she gets to Texas and she moves right in with this guy, but I guess it really didn't last long because not long after she arrives in the country, she starts leaving a trail of like petty crimes across the Southwestern United States. She ends up um, getting arrested briefly for robbing a pharmacy. And at another point, she attacked two security guards who caught her stealing in a department store. So she's like got some sticky fingers or something. So again, not really clear what happened to her first husband, but it did end. And once it ended, it was kind of like, okay, she's in this new country, barely speaks English, and she has to now fend for herself, right? So she has to get creative. How is she gonna make money? What is she gonna do? So sometimes Omaima, she would take jobs as like a nanny. Um, occasionally she even worked as a model, which is cool, great, right? Eventually she learned she could use her looks to make money in other ways though. So Omaima over here, she figured out like, hey, I can use my good looks to like make men fall in love with me, okay? And then I could like steal whatever I want from them, right? Cause they're in love with me, I could rob them. Right. When the police were doing some investigating into Omaima's background, they actually found one of her old boyfriends. His name was Robert and he claimed to have been targeted by Omaima. He said that at one point she had tied him to a chair with a shotgun in his face and he was demanding money from him. I know, scary. He was able to get away, but he never tried to press charges because he said that he was just too embarrassed it had happened in the first place which is so sad because men, you guys are victims too. And you should not be embarrassed if you ever get harassed or assaulted in any way. Please don't be embarrassed. Omaima seemed to rely heavily on her looks and her charm to find men that she could latch onto and survive off of. So just five years after she first married the oil guy and came to America, she was out at a bar in Orange County and she found the guy that she thought would provide her some stability. At this time, she was like jumping around from guy to guy, relying on her looks to rob men and it was getting a little exhausting. So she finds her next victim and his name was Bill Nelson. So let's imagine this together. 
okay, it's 1991. You're in a seedy little bar in Orange County and across the tables in the booths, you see this gorgeous young and fit woman leaning over the pool table and running the game under that bright green light they always have overhead of the pool tables. It's not that flattering, but it's there. Omaima is in her element. This is the perfect grounds for hunting. All she has to do is pick out a target, her prey. Her prey being whoever in this bar looks like they might be worth a lot of money. That's who she's looking for. And while Omaima is there, guess who walks in? Oh, it's Bill. Bill walks into this bar. He was over six feet tall, 200 pounds. Okay, he's got this massive presence that makes people in the bar recognize and like welcome him right away. When people see him, they're like, yeah, it's Bill. And he had on his bright red cowboy boots starting to march into the entryway. How could Omaima not notice him? He kind of claimed the space. And I guess those shiny boots, she's like, money, cha-ching. I know someone out there is thinking kinky boots. Omaima, she's kind of listening in on Bill's conversation. She's eavesdropping, I guess you can say. She's like, what, what's that, what's he saying? And she picks up on his personality, okay. But then she hears about his red Corvette that's parked outside, the one that um, he owns. And she also hears that he owns a bunch of land in Texas. Now this is setting off little red flags to Omaima. She's like, okay, this man has got money. Not only did he look rich, but the stories that he was telling at the bar, it made him seem very rich. This was exactly the opportunity Omaima was waiting for. Someone she could snuggle up with and um, when the time was right, steal everything from under them. She would be set for life. So the two of them get to talking at the bar. Can't tell you what exactly went down, but what we do know is that the two of them clicked somehow, probably her beauty, and the fact that she was younger and like showing interest in this man. I don't know how she did it, but she did it, okay? And the two hit it off. And um, only a few days later, Bill drives them both to Arizona in his Corvette and they're on their way to visit some of his family. So the two of them, they briefly stop in Phoenix and that's where they meet up with, you know, Justice of the Peace, slaps their name on a couple of wedding certificates and calls it a day till they got married. Great. And just like that, Omaima officially becomes Omaima Nelson. She sealed the freaking deal, babe, in like a few weeks. Wow, she must have had beer flavored nipples or something. So she sealed the deal, she got his name. Now there's not a lot of details about how Bill's family like reacted to their new stepmother. It seemed like they weren't too thrilled. At least that's what you can kind of gather. But the fact that she was 23 years younger than him, it just kind of created a little bit of tension. Now there was one story where Omaima did meet Bill's children for like the first time, I believe, and they went horseback riding. And they're trying like to teach, the kids are trying to teach her how to ride a horse. It was like their first time doing it. And the horse, I guess, ended up throwing her, Omaima, off its back. So of course the family's like all rushing over to her thinking she's hurt, but I guess she just gets back up, you know? She asked for a vodka and some aspirin and she went right back to it. I don't know what that says though. Cause I would kind of imagine she would be more of a diva and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I fell with a horse. But she wasn't, she was, she got right back on. So you think like the kids would like her. I don't know, okay, but it just, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe she was having fun at that point. Maybe she found like it was a safe place to be in, but it just doesn't make sense like how this all ends up. I'm laughing because it's just so fucked up, all of it. I think that was the only time the kids met her. I could be wrong, but I believe so. 
Okay, so now going back to Thanksgiving weekend, um, they're going to have a big feast. You know, Bill's planning this for the holiday. So he had taken her to meet everyone. The two of them then went back to Bill's apartment in California for a cozy holiday weekend together, the newlyweds. Now, Bill, I've, he was planning to have a feast, but like a really big one just to celebrate his new wife and just this new beginning. Um, normally for Thanksgiving, he it'd be something smaller, you know, or he'd go to someone else's house, but it was his turn. He was like, I'm gonna have a big feast and get everyone together and like just really celebrate this new life and my new wife. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? I mean, most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to like $200. Yeah, you could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you wouldn't even know about or ugh, those free trials that you've signed up for, you know, and then you get charged because you forgot to cancel. Yeah, done that. Well, guess what? There's actually this app that I love using because it takes care of all of that for you. It's called Rocket Money formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been, I don't know, double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel. I know. And Rocket Money, they take care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash makeup. Seriously, it, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash makeup. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash makeup. I really love this time of year. The changing leaves, the cool, crisp air, the decorations. I love it all. The holiday season brings me so much joy, but it also brings, let's be real here, a, a stress, especially for small businesses. I mean, think about it. You're dealing with last minute orders, shipping delays, ugh, and the general holiday rush, but it's not too late to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control with stamps.com. Sign up now and you'll be printing your own postage in minutes. With so many of my listeners being business owners, I can't even imagine how crazy this time of year probably gets for you. But Stamps.com can help. Stamps.com is your one-time shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. Save time and use Stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and printer. And if you need a package pickup, ooh, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. You can even save money with Stamps.com's switch and save feature. It allows you to easily compare carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal every time. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. This holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights and get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MAKEUP for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MAKEUP. Okay, so we're all caught up on Omaima's life or her past, we should say, right? Great. So back to December 1st, 1991. 
It's Sunday morning on Thanksgiving weekend. And you know, Sunday morning on Thanksgiving weekend is always kind of weird. It's like slow. You just had the holiday. There's sales going on everywhere, but it's like a weird limbo. Like, what are we doing? Now you're just waiting for Christmas at this point. It's just bizarre. Anyway, so that's where everyone's at. Everyone's at home and no one was really doing anything. Great. So just imagine that you're at home, you're relaxing, it's your day off, you know, maybe you're enjoying some of the leftovers, turkey sandwiches, yum. And then you hear the roar of a muscle car outside of your window, okay? Followed by a flash of glossy bright red color as a Corvette, never seen it before, Corvette appears in your driveway. That's exactly what happened on that morning to Jose, one of Omaima's former boyfriends. Mm-hmm. He's like, who's this? Omaima? So Jose is like looking out of his front window when he hears the car pull up and he doesn't recognize the car. He's never, he doesn't know anyone with that kind of car. So when he hears knocking at the front door, he doesn't answer, okay? But it's Omaima who's knocking on the other side of the door. He doesn't know that. So he's just trying to avoid whoever the hell this person is because they must be lost. But a few minutes later, Jose doesn't answer the door, so Omaima gets back into the car and she leaves. But a few hours later, it's like later in the afternoon, Omaima comes back and she starts pounding on his door this time. And Jose looks out the window and he recognizes, oh my God, it's Omaima, right? He's like, "That's this is bizarre, okay. And he opens up the door and he lets her inside. So when he lets her inside, he's noticing that she is stumbling, right? She seems to be a little sloppy. Oh, sloppy. Um, okay, so he notices that she looks a little disheveled. She was practically spewing some kind of weird story about what had happened between her and Bill that weekend. And she seemed very frantic and just all over the place. Omaima told Jose that Bill had been sexually abusing her for their entire relationship. And that over the weekend, he demanded she allow him to tie her up in their bedroom. She told Jose that she felt pressured to do it in the first place. Um, and when she did, Bill raped her and kept her tied up that way for a course of the whole weekend. She told Jose that she managed to get one of her arms free and she beat him up with a, a lamp and a clothing iron to get herself free. Now she did have cuts on her hands, arms, and chest. Some of them seem to still be bleeding. Now again, this is all according to Omaima. We don't really know if she was lying or telling the truth. This is just her version, her version of the story. But she wasn't done yet. Jose's like, why the hell are you here? You just wanted to tell me this awful story. Like, why don't you go to the fucking police then? Okay, right? Like, why are you here? Well, she came to Jose's house with a plan. After she was done telling her story, she had told Jose that not only she had escaped from her husband's torture, but in doing so, she had killed him right? She had killed her husband in the process. And she was there because she needed Jose's help to get rid of the body. Omaima told Jose not to worry about the body itself. Like she had already chopped it up and she put it into bags and smaller pieces. She only wanted him to let her use his truck to move it all. No biggie, right? Yeah. Can I just borrow your truck? He's like, oh yeah, sure. Sounds great. On top of that though, she's like, I could give you $75,000, okay? Um, and also some motorcycles for your help. I'm not kidding though. This was like part of uh, her offer, very specific. Like every report said the same thing, that she offered this guy $75,000 and motorcycles. So 
They were probably Bill's motorcycles. We don't know, but great, okay? But she really wanted Jose to be in on this plan with her, so she had to sweeten the deal somehow, right? And this is what she came up with. I mean, how else was she gonna, was she gonna get a truck? At the truck store? No. Now, luckily, Jose, uh, he could tell that something was up. He could tell something was not right, okay? Um, it's not like he had this super deep relationship with her in the first place. So it was like, we had only dated briefly, you know? And it's, what is she, what, right? So it just doesn't make any sense. So when she stumbles into his house and she's like covered in blood with a story like that, offering him all these riches to like let her use his truck, he's like, dude, something ain't right. Something ain't right, okay? So Jose, he tells Omaima that he'll meet her at the apartment to get started on, you know, disposing Bill's body. But as soon as she was out of the house, the first thing he did was call up the police and told them everything she had said, including that she had offered X amount of money and motorcycles for him to help. So bravo there, right? Because how many times do we hear these stories and things just go so wrong? For once, someone did the right thing. We applaud you. So Omaima hadn't even really left Jose's house before the police show up. They stop Omaima in her, in her car. She's driving home, right? And she gets pulled over like right outside of their house. And you know, police go up to her and are like, hey, can we um, ask you some questions? You know, what are you doing? Omaima, she really had, she did not see this coming. And unfortunately her English wasn't that great. So she wasn't able to really, she explained herself, but also like cover her tracks at the same time. Like it's hard to lie. Could you imagine trying to lie in a different language? Aren't, yeah, so she's trying, but because they had gotten word from Jose, they already knew like something was up with this lady. So police are asking her questions and one of the officers asked her to see like what's inside of the plastic bag that was sitting in her passenger seat inside of the car. They're like, what's inside of that bag? Can I look inside? So they take the bag, they open it up and they find pieces of human flesh. They couldn't tell in that very moment what it was, but they were actually looking at Bill's lungs. And I guess they could tell it was his lungs because there was a bunch of like black growths all over because if he was, he was a heavy smoker. What was she driving around with his lungs? I don't know. Where was she going with the lungs? I don't know. So police are asking her questions. They already have all the details from the phone conversation they had with Jose, right? So they're asking her like, what's in this bag? Why do you have this bag? And she starts to get, she doesn't have any answers really. And she realizes she's really in over her head. And at one point she actually admits to killing Bill, cutting him up. And then at another point she tells police, oh, that didn't happen. Actually, he's in Florida on a business trip. Like she finally thought of an excuse. Um, and the man that was inside the bag that they found, yeah, that was someone that um, Bill had killed and she was just trying to get rid of the body. Needless to say, like nobody really believed her, okay? So police, they were able to get a search warrant for the house and, or Bill's apartment, I should say. And with that, that's when they found everything else. Bill's torso, okay, bled like a stuffed pig into the bathtub drain. They found his head freshly fried and like wrapped in the foil. His hip was mixed with cranberry sauce in the garbage. And of course, Bill's hands boiling in that stew of turkey meat and vegetables brought to a perfect simmer. It was very bizarre. 
Like this wasn't a stab, stab and gone type of killing. This bitch, she put in some work. Okay, that that's some work. There is no excuse for this behavior. So police have Omaima in custody at this point. When they bring her down to the station, they start asking her a bunch more questions about what happened. And Omaima, again, she admits that she killed him. In fact, she doesn't even contend that she killed him. Instead, she explains the trauma from Bill's treatment of her had made her lash out and kill him in order to save her own life. And then she said for 12 or so hours that she was in like a trance. And when she woke up, Bill had been cut up and cooked. Cause you know how that goes. Sometimes you go into a trance and you make a whole feast. Sure. She told police, I don't remember how I killed him. All I remember was that I got, I got up, like I said, and I find him and he's in a trash bag. And she's like, I wish I knew how I killed him because I just have no idea. But she did go on to say that something inside of her told her to do it, like demons. Damn demons. So once they had her confession, it was easy to charge her and hold her in jail until her actual trial date, which it wasn't for like a full year. In that time, while police are building their case against Omaima, she's spending a lot of time with the state appointed psychiatrist while she's in jail. And that is when she started talking about what maybe was her motivation to kill Bill. Oh, kill Bill, that's funny. It's not funny, but like, you know. Anyways, she told the psychiatrist that she had visions visions of two women who would walk towards her soaked in blood and chant he must die over and over and over again omaima told her psychiatrist that these were um, ancient egyptians who were guiding her they the imaginary blood-soaked ancient egyptian women believed that bill would find her again in the afterlife unless she carved him up and separated all of the pieces Omaima didn't have a history of mental illness, but like she also hadn't been in the United States for very long and she seemed to have a rough upbringing. So it's really not, you know, we're all pretty fucked up and I would assume that she's kind of fucked up too. The psychiatrist, they really didn't know what could be causing her, um, these visions of hers, you know? The psychiatrist who evaluated her eventually ended up diag diagnosing her with PTSD and later said that she was one she was one of the most like psychotic patients that he had ever seen, the doctor. Like, thanks, congratulations. Congratulations, you're the most psychotic patient I've ever seen. You're number one. Like, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> do I get a plaque or something? What do I get? So doctors did examine Omaima. Thank you, Bailey. Omaima. Come on, you could do it. Have some faith in yourself. I think that, you see, the reason I mispronounce a lot of people's names, this is a side note, has nothing to do. I get anxiety and like second guess myself. I'll listen to it over and over and over again, but then my brain just erases it and I say it wrong. It's just, I'm aware <laughs> that I suck at names. You don't have to call me mean names over it. Okay, back to the story. So when doctors examine Omaima, Okay, for any evidence of Bill sexually assaulting and raping her, they are unable to confirm that there had been any occurrence at all. Not only that, but all the cuts and marks that she had all over her, they did not line up with what she said happened, like being tied up, 
okay? Doctors believed that it was more likely she got those while she was cutting up Bill's body with scissors and like whatever the hell else she was using when she was um, cutting up his body. That's how she got those marks. And speaking of Bill, the medical examiners who had been taking in like all the evidence, you know, um, they had found details about how exactly Bill died. Omaima's version was that Bill had tied her up to the bed and raped her. And when you look at the scene, that's not entirely unbelievable. The bed clearly showed signs of like some kind of struggle. Um, that was pretty obvious to them. But Omaima's wounds, they weren't the kind that you would get from being tied down to a freaking bed. But you know whose wounds were? Bill's, okay? The examiners who were piecing him back together uh, they found bruises on his ankles and his wrist. The one that you would get, let's say, if a, your partner ties a rope a little too tight. Hmm, ain't that some shit? Oh my ma, I think you're a lying bitch. Oh my ma, I think you're you're a little liar. But by this point, it was determined that Bill had died from like multiple blows to his head before the point he was cut up and served. Yeah, their working theory was that Omaima had gotten Bill to agree to do a little bondage play, you know, like maybe a little special holiday thing. And after tying him up, she threatened him and held him. Um, well, she threatened him, like held him up for his money, like she had done for others before. That's what it's believed happened. Ooh, Omaima, you're in trouble. He either refused to give her money or maybe he didn't even have anything because investigators think it was him who may have broken one arm free of the bondage and basically like in a frantic rush to prevent him from escaping. It's believed that Omaima beat him to death with a lamp and the clothing iron they found inside of Bill's apartment. I mean, Bill, again, was like much larger than her. So I think she did that before he could escape but this would explain the signs of like this huge struggle in the bedroom and the bruises on Bill's body and also the blood soaked bed. This seemed more consistent as to what might've happened versus Omaima's version of events. So Omaima, you know, she didn't kill her victims. Like this was the first time she actually, that we know of, that she actually killed one of her victims. So, uh, what made Bill so special? you know, that she actually went and killed him. Well, based off of all the research out there, everything kind of points to Bill lying about how wealthy he was. Mm-hmm. The police, after they found out who he was, they determined that his primary form of income was just finding and fixing old computers and like computer parts and also just selling parts. And um, he did all this like out of his apartment. They found boxes and boxes of stuff laying around the home. So maybe all that land he had been bragging about in the bar that night actually belonged to like his children, right? Uh, maybe Omaima was um, bamboozled. She's like, oh my God, you're not rich? What the fuck? If that's the case, if Bill really was undercover as a rich man, Omaima might have been pretty freaking pissed off when she find out that this man that she married, she locked and sealed the deal. He was lying. He had no money, nothing. What is she going to do? Break up with him? Ugh. I don't have the time. But there is one thing that was missing from this case. Oh yeah, babe. Specifically about 100 pounds of something or someone. 
Yeah. The medical examiners who were piecing Bill's body back together, they ran out of pieces of him before they could finish. So now the question was like, where did the 100 pounds of this man go? They can't just vanish. Omaima didn't stand trial until a year later. So in December of 1992, she's a, she's 24 years old. She stood before a jury accused of murder, right? Details about that day start to come to light. Some of Bill's neighbors in the apartment building had reported hearing the sounds of a grinding garbage disposal for two days straight over Thanksgiving weekend. And they were like, oh, we don't know. It's Thanksgiving. People just use the garbage disposal a lot. Or something. When questioned, Omaima admitted to having cooked her husband's head. She also admitted to boiling his hands in an attempt to remove his fingerprints. Her defense lawyer, a public defender, he relied heavily on the psychiatrist Omaima had been talking in like the last year um, since she was arrested and had the psychiatrist testify about Omaima Omaima's past with her father and how she was treated at home, how she came to the United States and just all of that. So speaking for Omaima, her psychiatrist gave the court two more bombshells. Omaima told her psychiatrist that Bill, from the moment they went on this road trip to meet the family, was abusive and controlling over her. The psychiatrist testified that Bill demanded Omaima give him oral sex several times a day, and if he didn't, he would degrade her for it. She's like, fuck, I'm busy. And at one point, Bill had even thrown a kitten Omaima had found on the trip out of his car window. This is what she's claiming, okay? But it was what came next that may have sealed the fate of Omaima Nelson. Her psychiatrist explained that Omaima had admitted to eating Bill. She admitted it. According to their testimony, Omaima told them that she had, um, you know, she had Thanksgiving dinner that weekend, and they said that Omaima cooked Bill's ribs in barbecue sauce, quote, like in a restaurant, end quote, and she ate them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what possesses someone to do that. I don't know. How do you do that? I don't know. I got a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. Bizarre. How? Why? Ew. The psychiatrist told the jury that Omaima described the taste of Bill's ribs and she said that, quote, nothing was sweeter, end quote. You nasty ass. But when Omaima was on the stand, she made sure to finish her statements by saying, I swear to God, this is a quote, I swear to God, I did not eat any part of him. I'm not a monster, okay? Um, I'm sorry I dismembered him, oops. I was in a fight for my life. If I, hadn't had if I didn't kill him, I would have been killed that day myself. After six days of deliberation, Omaima was found guilty of second degree murder in December of 1992. She was sentenced to life in prison. So Omaima was up for parole in 2006. And in her defense, she said that he, wa he was abusing her. And the reason that she had cut him up was because she was preventing him from waiting for her in the afterlife. And by cutting him up, it would prevent that from happening. So she was denied. Um, and again, she was up for t parole in 2011 and she was denied as well there. Today, Omaima, she sits in prison in the Central California Women's Facility in like Chowchilla, Chowchilla, California? I don't know. She's like in her early 50s now, but a final treat before I let you go, I have one last detail about Omaima. Apparently, allegedly, according to 
people. While she's been in prison, she started sending letters back and forth between her and like this guy who managed to contact her from outside the prison. They have grown very close and got to know each other really well. And they were able to get married. Yeah, while she's in prison. And the prison even lets them have, you know, con conjugal visits. I couldn't find anything out about him except for two things. One, he's old. Oh, he's older. He's older. He's a mature man, at least in his 70s. But she's, um, yeah, he's a mature man, at least in his 70s. And two, most important of them all, he's rich. He's rich. Um, or at least he was rich, but money seems to be involved. She's still doing it, even behind bars. Okay, but get this, get this. The guy, whoever this was, he ended up dying shortly before her parole hearing in 2011. And rumor has it, he left her quite a bit of money. Say what you will about Omaima, if nothing else, she knew how to get it. It's sad because like, I don't think she was being abused and whatnot, but I hate saying that because then, you know, it's tricky because these types of stories discredit a lot of people and, Oh, it's just such a shit show. What blows my mind is that she chopped him up and like, not even just like little chops, not that little chops matter, but she like full on chopped off every limb of his. She was like letting him bleed out. She cooking him, cooking stew. She ate his ribs. Like that's not, I don't think that's normal girl. Mm -mm. Um, hopefully she stays behind bars for a very long time. Like, I'm sorry, but there's something not, fully there if you could chop someone up and eat them, you know? It's probably safer if you just stay in a confined space. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to end this. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed to report any type of domestic abuse, man or woman, please. But other than that, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day ahead and you make good choices and I'll be seeing you guys later. Bye.